Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome in, everybody. Happy Friday. It is another edition of On the Clock, Phillies 24-7, Sports Radio 94 WIP. I am Ben Kenny. Here with you after a 3-3 three and three week of Phillies baseball. And I'm going to call it a win. They won the week 3-3. Three and three. I think that's a saying in football. Sometimes you go into halftime, maybe it's tied, but you feel like you won the half, you feel like you played better. The Phillies won this week 3-3. Three and three. They go to Milwaukee, they drop the two of them there, the first two, and then they take two out of three in San Diego. When the loss felt like the sky is falling loss. I was on radio after that. And everybody reacted. They're like, oh, you know, we're concerned about this team. The wild card, the first one is a real question. This team is real problems. And yeah, we'll talk about all that. But to come away on a road trip against a good Milwaukee team, despite what their lineup looks like, it's hilarious if you actually look at who they have out there. I believe everybody on the Braves, except for two people, have a slugging above 500. They hit the crap out of the baseball. There might be only one Brewer. That's slugging 500 right now. Their lineup is an atrocity. Minus Yelich at one and Contreras at two. But their pitching is filthy. Freddy Peralta handled the Phillies lineup. And then somehow Colin Ray did two on Saturday, which I, that baffled me more than what Aaron Ola did. And we'll get to that as well. But it's a, a those two teams, I don't care what San Diego's record is. You look up and, up and down that lineup, and we saw it with Tatis, but the... Hassan Kim, who I think is a phenomenal baseball player, into Tatis and Soto and Bogarts, and then the guys they have there towards the bottom, that's a legit team. And I know they're bad, and I know they somehow find ways to lose. They'll win one game 8 to nothing, and then drop the next two 4-2. to two. Like they, they are not a winning baseball team, but when you go up against them, it is a quality, a quality series to take two out of three. So... A 3-3 a three and three road trip, I'm calling it a win. Yet, especially after the Brewers series, and this is where the tone is going to turn a bit, I'm frightened about the September Phillies. Our own Dave Uram of KYW News Radio tweeted it on September 2nd. I forget which day of the week that was, but it was likely immediately after one of the losses and or uh, it, it was after the 7-5 seven, seven loss, the first one. In Milwaukee, he tweets the Phillies records in September's, or excuse me, it was after the second loss. So they were 0-2 at that point. They're now 3-3. And And take 2023 out of it, because we'll talk about it later. The month actually lines up okay, given developments across the sport. Last year, they were 11-14 in September, and then 3-3 in October in the regular season before getting hot. 
Last year's team, we'll say it all the time, they were not good until they made the playoffs. They got swept in Chicago. They were they were leaking oil like the Phillies have leaked oil for every September since, and, and we'll get to it, since pretty much the run, the 08 to 11 run was going on. 2021, 13 and 14 in September. It was not enough to make the playoffs. 2020, remember, I, I believe it was that year. They were in position. They were either entering September with a wildcard spot or in spot to get one. They went 13 and 17. 2019, and this is, I mean, there's nothing more Gabe Kapler than getting to September in playoff position like the Giants have this year. And then as soon as you do, falling off the face of the earth. 2019, 12 and 16. 2018 under Kapler, they went 8 and 20. They were terrible. And that was after the amazing deadline of Justin Bohr as Drupal Cabrera and maybe Drew Smiley, I think. Or they might have had Smiley earlier. But uh, let's keep going. You get to 2017. They were actually really good in September. They were 15 and 3. 2016, 10 and 17. 2015, 9 and 17. And these are just bad teams. 14 and 13, they were 11 and 15. The moral of the story is, aside from what those records are, the Phillies have not been a good September baseball team. And it has cost them in the past at making the playoffs. They have not made the playoffs because of bad Septembers that they've had. I'm not forecasting that for this team. But I couldn't help but thinking during the Milwaukee series when they dropped the first two, the first in excruciating fashion with the Alec Bohm error after just more miraculous offensive production. That one, it was Trey Turner off Devin Williams giving the Phillies the lead. And you felt like the August run, Trey Turner's August run, but the team's was continuing. Like, Devin Williams doesn't give up anything. And Trey Turner's there and gets it done, and then the bullpen blows it. And then that inkling is in your brain of, okay, I can look to the playoffs, and I'm scared this is going to happen. I'm scared it's going to be the bullpen that gives it up. It's hard not to think those things when they drop the first two. But I do want to applaud the team for turning it around. Trey Turner goes on the paternity list, and they're still able to take that final game in San Diego. Bryce Harper's 0 for 20 since Chuck and Mount Airy, since the shout-out. Since he talked with Chuck and Mount Airy on the air, Bryce Harper had an 0 for 20 that he finally snapped on Wednesday with an RBI double. People wondered if if Chuck had, had mushed Harper. Harper shaves his beard. There were weird weird vibes going on. And frankly, if they had lost that last game against San Diego, the tone of this entire show might be, look out, the September Phillies are here. But thankfully, they're able to get the final game. And I'm just putting it out there that there's a there's some anxiety right now with that team emerging again. There's a little bit of of anxiety. But listen, it's hard it's hard for me to discount all the good that's happening. And you know how I've felt. If they can get in with the number one wild card spot, I feel good about what they can do. And there's something that happened this week that makes me feel better that I'll touch on in a minute. The good from this team right now. Kyle Schwarber and Trey Turner in Milwaukee. And Schwarber continuing there in San Diego. They had an incredible week. They have been on an incredible run. Turner since the beginning of August. And when he comes back, I hope it'll continue. The couple days off scares me a bit. Kyle Schwarber has been on a really good run since the All-Star break. And all the all the people call up every day. He's not a leadoff hitter. His average is terrible. And we're going to do a more full Kyle Schwarber appreciation a little bit later, as well as for one other guy. But he had a big week. 
And I couldn't help but think in the last game against San Diego. So they, they come out of Tuesday. They had got blanked. It was a horrible game. They enter the final game and first batter against Michael Walker, who's had a really good season. Kyle Schwarber takes him deep. And that is the exact tone. That is a perfect example of what he does at leadoff. You don't need me to tell you this. But that home run, starting one nothing, Wheeler's able to calm down and be aggressive and pitch well, which he did. That's what he does. Not to mention, get on base more after that. But Schwarber and Trey in Milwaukee were great. Zach Wheeler was great on Wednesday. Trey Turner, is I he's coming up in the clutch now enough that I kind of want him up in those spots. There have been a couple late-game three-run bombs, and neither of which I think won the... Well, there were some earlier that won games, but the ones from the last couple weeks didn't. He had the one against the Angels that soon turned into a blown lead, Bryce Harper hitting the homer, then another blown lead, and they blow the game. And then this one against Devin Williams that the Bohm error happens. It doesn't win the game, but I'm starting to trust him in those big spots, which is exciting. We've come a very, very long way with him. And then uh, the good, I, I touched on Wheeler. I was thinking about this today. Consider this. How many starting pitchers in the National League would you rather have on the mound for game one of a playoff series than Zach Wheeler? How many would you want more? Because I went through the list, and this is only of pitchers that are eligible for the playoffs. So no Blake Snell, who's had a great year. I still think i take Wheeler. No Kodai Senga, who's been amazing for the Mets since the break. Only guys that are eligible for the playoffs. I came up with one name. There's one guy I would want on the mound more than Zach Wheeler. Unfortunately, it's Spencer Strider of the Braves. And trust me, last year was not what Strider is. He's almost unhittable. He's filthy. I would rather have him start in game one. But there's nobody else. He's the second best pitcher in the National League at the moment. And the Brewers can go three deep with with Burns and Woodruff and Peralta. And Justin Steele of the Cubs is having a great season. But given all of Aaron Nola's problems, and given the questions the Phillies have after Wheeler in general in that starting rotation, the fact that he is pitching as well as he is right now at the top of the National League, you know you have the advantage in Game 1 of almost every series. Not the Braves series. And throw the Braves offense in there as well. But that's at that point, you're rolling the dice. If you get to a series against Atlanta and they and a 100-whatever win team beat you, then you can kind of live with those results while they're going to suck. But aside from that, Wheeler's better than everybody else they'll face. So that's a, that's a phenomenal note. The final note I had from the week before I get to a larger take from the week that looks forward a little bit is a, uh, it's time for a mea culpa on my end. It's time for a public apology. I was wrong to completely buy in on Aaron Nola. I know I was one of the only people that did, because even after his string of good starts, which we talked about last week, everybody was still, you got to show it to me. You got to do it consistently. I'm scarred by the one inning that kills you. I'm scarred by the home runs. I'm just scarred by your entire season. I bought in. I thought the fastball was back. I thought Nola had turned the corner. Consider this your public apology, because I was wrong. I was dead wrong. He comes out Saturday in Milwaukee against, again, Colin Ray, a career minor leaguer who stinks. And the Phillies got the Phillies didn't hit him enough, but Nola gets a lead early. 
I think there was a, a Schwarber leadoff homer in that game, if I'm not mistaken. And then he goes four and two-thirds with eight hits, seven runs, three walks. Maybe the worst, the single worst start of his career. And they were not cheap hits. He was getting rocked up and down the lineup. He was terrible. And that start just brings everybody right back, and me as well. I'm back with the people. I don't trust Aaron Ola in the playoffs. I can argue about his value all I want, which I still will do. I think he is a valuable pitcher given the innings and the durability. And when he's pitching well, obviously, the results. I can't defend Aaron Ola right now. I have no faith in him in the playoffs. Now, the problem is, as we've talked about, there aren't really better options in the rotation. I can't say Taiwan Walker. He also got hit hard. I definitely cannot say Lorenzen. Ever since the no-hitter, he's not looked the same. I can't say Ranger, who is coming back off injury, and is he's been okay, but he's great in the bullpen. And I don't know how, how stretched out he's going to be by the playoffs. And I'm not going to say Chris Sanchez, because he's like, what what has he proven? He's pitched well, don't get me wrong. He's been one of the brightest spots on the team in the fifth starter spot. But I can't trust him at number two. Aaron Nola, as Rob Thompson said, whether he should have said it or not, Aaron Nola is the number two on this team. But that doesn't mean that we as a fan base need to trust him. I don't trust him. So there you go. There's the there's the walk back of last week's Aaron Nola's comments, which it, it sucks. Saturday was the perfect opportunity. You put together three really good starts. You're coming off your second best start of the season. Saturday was the perfect opportunity against a bad Brewers lineup to continue that. To get everybody to buy in. Go six scoreless. Give up two runs through seven. And everybody's back. But whether the Phillies had lost the game or not. If Aronola had looked good in that start. I think people feel a lot differently about this team's chances at a, at a deep run. But unfortunately that start happened the way it did. Um, Alright, it's on the clock. I'm Ben Kenny. A lot of stuff to get to today. So this is what we're going to do. Coming up next, and before we we get to break, I do have a a take as I look forward through September, just where I'm at with the wild card race in this team. I'll get to that in 10 seconds. Coming up later, there's a lot of things flying around from the team, both positive and negative, that we have to address. And there was a significant piece of news by Jeff Passan of ESPN about the rules in the playoffs. We'll get to that a little later on. My take from watching baseball this week, both Phillies and not, and looking forward. Now, things have tightened significantly in the National League wildcard spot. Nobody saw the Cubs doing this. I didn't, definitely. Entering the season or at the All-Star break or three weeks ago or last week, they're playing incredible baseball. They just swept out the Giants, who have, again, fallen off a cliff ever since the Phillies series, I think. And I'm not going to say the Phillies killed Doval because he hasn't pitched. The team is just getting rocked and they can't hit anymore. A terrible combination with, yeah, things are not great for Kapler. But the Cubs are playing at a torrid pace right now and I don't think they'll catch Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee will continue to play well. I'm here to say, after a week that I have called a win, going 3-3 three and three and losing ground, a fine week. Now the Phils go home and they have a chance to make some space. I'm not saying it is time to panic about the Cubs. It's not time to panic about the Phillies losing that top wildcard spot, which they need badly. I am getting a little anxious, though. I do think it could be time 
to be a little anxious about what's to come in that spot. And you pair that with the September Phillies and what's gone on over the last decade. There's so much scar tissue there of the Phils missing the playoffs because of bad play. Last year, they would have if the Brewers did not collapse. Just part, I, I'm starting to get anxious. These games are starting to be more anxiety driving. I don't think that's a word, but you know what I'm trying to say. And the Marlins now uh, enter Philadelphia. We'll preview that series later. Like, you, you got to start taking two out of three from every series. You, you cannot let the Cubs get any closer. They're currently at one and a half games back. And this is while the Phillies have real pitching issues arising that I mentioned with Nola, Lorenzen, and Walker. And some in the bullpen. Just weird inconsistency in the bullpen. A couple leads being blown that shouldn't. I think the bullpen stuff will be okay in the long run. But starting pitching issues. Harper, although he had the RBI double yesterday, and I trust him to get locked in again, he's cold. He's not hitting great right now. So you have a couple things with the team that are starting to not work well. Um, And you have a home-and-home left with the Braves, which, as if you've watched Atlanta play baseball, taking two out of three of either of those series would be unbelievable. It'd be a godsend to, to be able to do that. So I'm just, I'm starting to get a little anxious about the standings and about where the Phillies are, which I, I mean, it's good as a baseball fan because now it's not mid July. When I watch the Phillies in mid July and they lose, I'm not thrilled, but the beauty is they'll play again tomorrow and there's time to get over it. We're starting to get to the point where the losses sting more and every the season feels like it's going to swing on every result and on every win and loss. There is some good coming up, though. I mentioned how the Phil's schedule plays out for the month. The Phillies closed the season four at home against the Mets, the dead Mets, who are calling up some kids, but they stink. Three at home against Pittsburgh, who's been bad all season, and then three on the road against the Mets. They do not close the season with tough teams, which has, I mean, the Phillies have lost to bad teams often, and they've uh, probably choked away seasons against bad teams somewhat often, but that's a good note. That's a good note. So, I don't know. I, I, I think making the playoffs is a lock. I'm They're going to make the playoffs. I'm just starting to, they're starting to be a little bit of doubt that's creeping into the brain about that number one wild card and... Listen, the Phils are a 500 team on the road this season. And that is with a, what, a 10 to 13 game win streak on the road. So they're not a great road team. You don't want to go to Wrigley to play. You need the series at home. So you got to take care of business in this next couple weeks and lock up that number one spot. All right, it's on the clock. I'm Ben Kenny. We will continue when we return. Just a lot of stuff about the team. It's time to appreciate both Kyle Schwarber and someone else. We'll get into that. There's a guy on the team that might be turning it around finally. And I have a pitching move I need the Phillies to make. That's all coming up next. It's on the clock. All right. Ben Kenny with you. It's on the clock. 94 WIP. Phillies 24-7. We thank you. If you're listening on podcasts, subscribe. Do a, Whether it's Spotify, Apple. Uh, if you're listening live on the Phillies 24-7 stream on the Odyssey app, we thank you for doing that that way as well. All right. I just had a lot of thoughts flying around from the team this week. As I mentioned, a a positive week, but with a lot of negatives as well. 
the season is going to start to turn on individual series and individual games. So it's time. A couple changes have to be made, but also maybe some players that will play a big role as they're turning it around. Number one, at the top of the take list, it is time to move Michael Lorenzen to the bullpen. No more Michael Lorenzen in the starting rotation. It has not gone well, everybody, since he threw his no-hitter. It's been four starts. August 18th against Washington, he went three and a third, eight hits, six turned runs, took the loss. August 23rd against San Francisco, five and two-thirds, eight hits, four earned runs, three walks, did not take the loss. The next one, the 29th of August, Angels, six innings, eight hits, three earned runs, two walks, ended up winning that game. And then finally, uh, September 5th against San Diego, six innings pitched, eight hits, six earned runs, three walks. What is the common theme here? Well, there are two things. Number one, guys are getting on base. They're hitting him hard. And the other team is scoring runs, which in a team, in a tight race like this one, I know there aren't other great options, except you, with Ranger back, you go back to a five-man. It's time to move Lorenz into the bullpen. I think his arm looks completely dead, or it's starting to look like that. Uh, He's thrown a career high in innings. That was already a lock when they traded for him. So then the no-hitter happens, and it was awesome. But I said it after that moment. I'm scared about his arm. I'm scared what he could do. Now, I, I think he could still be good in the pen. You need to get him on short spurts, and you probably need to manage his rest more, more so than going full out for a, for a start. He's, he's hurting the team. Four straight starts have been terrible, and that was after two great starts to begin his Phillies tenure. I think his, well, number one, the bullpen, as we know, not as deep as we would like with good options. I think his game would profile better in that spot. So maybe he turns into one of your, your Jeff Hoffman type, start to use him in some high leverage spots. I don't know. I just can't have him starting consistently, starting games for this team. And guess what? Starting on Monday is Michael Lorenzen against the Atlanta Braves. And then I think they have they have Taiwan Walker that day as well. So that should that should be fun. Watch the Braves, a doubleheader, just beat up on that. Like I I still think it was a good trade. I still think he can help the team. But given how he's pitching right now, I, I can't rely on him in the rotation. I can't. So a move to the pen, I think, would help. And I think we're close enough to the playoffs where going back to a five-man wouldn't really hurt Nolan Wheeler. And if you need to, go run a bullpen game. I don't know. Do Strom. Or you move Lorenzen and you have him start another game. But every fifth day, the consistent starts for him, I'm out. I, I'm good. And if he ends up in the playoff rotation, pitching how he is right now, that's a problem. That's a problem for this team against the good offenses they'll face. Right, like we've seen Zach Eflin or whoever go into the uh, Ranger Suarez be in the playoffs and pitch well, but as soon as you have, and this is an unfair comparison, Lorenzen is better than the guy I'm about to talk about, but you have Noah Syndergaard going up against the Padres, that's not going to go well. Or Bailey Falter going up against the Padres. So if they want to use Lorenzen in the playoffs for the two-inning specialty that they did with the other pitchers last year, Okay, fine. He's going to have to get more outs. He's going to have to pitch better than he's pitching right now. So I am, uh, I think his arm's shot. I, I think it's worth saving him for the postseason, moving him to the bullpen. So that's number one. Number two, if you aren't appreciating Kyle Schwarber's season, it's time you start doing it. 
like like now, or you should have been doing it weeks ago. This is before he went deep on Wednesday. So add a home run to this tally, add however many OPS points. I didn't do the math. Since the All-Star break, Kyle Schwarber has played in 49 games. He has hit 19 or 20 home runs, 25 extra base hits. His OPS is 976. 976. That's, I think, Bryce Harper's OPS season long, if I could find it. 976 since the All-Star break is incredible. Again, for a guy hitting Harper's 866 for the whole season. Schwarber for a guy hitting what he's hitting right now. I think he's up to one. Uh, look out Mendoza line. Schwarber's up to 195. Uh, but with those stats also, 41 RBI, 54 walks. He has had games where he'll hit a homer in the first, he'll single in the second, then he'll walk four times. He is on base all game. Not to mention setting the tone for the team with the leadoff homers we've seen being flat-out dangerous where pitchers can't just lob balls to the bottom of the order and expect to get them out. Like he is, Kyle Schwarber is one of the most valuable player uh, hitters on this team right now. And it's good he's not in the field. And that is where uh, there was the wins above replacement talk. Schwarber has a negative war. Yeah, that's probably where war has limitations. You, you can't tell me Schwarber is not one of the more valuable hitters on this team. Season long, he has 10 leadoff home runs. He is on pace for, if he hits the exact way he's hitting now, or if the season ended today, he would have the highest leadoff OPS in Philly's history. I saw that noted as well. The highest. Think about the other leadoff hitters this franchise has had. Now, his his leadoff OPS is not his entire OPS, obviously, because he spent some time in the four-hole. They moved him around. But he's on track. Like He's having one of the best leadoff seasons that a Philly has ever had. And yet, half of the people that call in, more than half, maybe 80% of the people that call in about him, which I know is not a representative sample. I get that. But they hate the guy because he's hitting 195. He's not a traditional leadoff hitter, but it's time everybody gets over it, moves forward, and appreciates what he does because it is so important for this team and how they're built to win. Season long, 195. I I know. Maybe I should have deleted that. I shouldn't have even read the average. 345 on base, which is unbelievable given the average, and an 820 OPS. Second highest on the team behind Bryce Harper. It's unbelievable the season he's having. 41 homers, 41 singles, 112 walks. Appreciate Kyle Schwarber, please. The other guy I think deserves more appreciation, and this is where my hand's up right now. I was wrong on him too. How about Jeff Hoffman? He has a 2-4-4 right now. It looked a little shaky on Wednesday against San Diego, but he's getting the job done more often than not. He has a whip of .92. Batting average against of 161, 60 strikeouts and 44.1 innings after his story is incredible. I heard this told again. So he was signed like his, he came up with the Rockies years ago. I picked him up in fantasy and he was terrible. He was one of their top prospects. He threw hard, but he could not get outs. Everything he threw was out of the park. He goes to Cincinnati. It was bad there as well. The Phillies signed him to a minor league deal, had no plans of bringing him up to the bigs. But there was one time, I forget where, but he was called upon when Bryce Harper was making his return 
and he was getting back into the the swing of things, if you will. And they called Jeff Hoffman to pitch him batting practice. And they're like, dude, try to get Harper out. He actually wants to see real pitches. Don't just lob him meatballs. And they watched Hoffman pitch and they said, oh, like there, there might be something here with this guy. And the rest has been history. He went from, in my brain, Jeff Hoffman used to be, when he came into games, what I think Dylan Covey is now. Just a, a white flag. Like, we're not winning this game. We're pitching Dylan Covey. Take it. Uh, goodbye. We don't want to put a position player in, but we're going to get Covey some work. See ya. Hoffman has gone from that in my brain to, I trust him more than a lot of guys on this in this bullpen right now. I don't trust him more than Sir Anthony or Alvarado. I'm teetering on Kimbrell. I, there might be a, an outside chance come playoff time that we trust Jeff Hoffman in the game more than we do Craig Kimbrell, which is crazy if you think about where we were in July. So shout out to Jeff Hoffman. Appreciate the season he's having. Uh, moving on, JT Romuto is trending big time. His home road splits are, are out of this world weird. I'll get to those. But his last seven games, he's hitting 389. He has an odd base of 476. His OPS is 1365. Three homers. He has three homers in his last four games. He was hitting the crap out of the ball in San Diego. His last 15, he's hitting almost 300 with an on base of 381. Like he's, he's playing really good baseball. He's starting to hit again, which that's another guy in this lineup. Like you think top to bottom, and I have this in front of me here, the, the OPS for notable Philly since the All-Star break. Marsh is above 1,000. Harper and Schwarber are almost at 1,000. Trey Turner's at 900. JT's at 812. Bohm and Stott are at 800. Castellanos is lower, but we know what he could do. You think about how deep the lineup is. I just listed eight guys that have, a, that have numbers that are that good. And the last one is Pache or Rojas, who we know if he hits ninth, he'll contribute. He'll do something for the team. JT's starting to trend. He's starting to, to look like peak JT. Where if you put him in the sixth spot or the five spot, we know what the top of the lineup can do. And we know what the young guys, Bowman Stott, can do getting on base and setting the tone. If he can actually come through in those RBI spots, JT that is, again, offense looks different. That's when the ceiling continues to rise. That's a, a really encouraging note. His home road OPS. At home, it's 601. He has been a horrific hitter at Citizens Bank Park on the road this season. 967, which is crazy. The only bright spot if the Phillies lose to the Cubs and the Cubs take that wild card spot. The only bright spot would be JT gets to play on the road and he might have a great series. He might carry the team. The rest of the guys, I have no idea, but JT would do that. All right, it's on the clock. Ben Kenny with you today. When we come back, some larger MLB notes, a headline that I hated to see. We'll look across uh, the playoff races throughout the rest of the sport. We'll get to that and much more. It's on the clock. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back in. It's on the clock. Sports Radio WIP, Phillies 24-7 here with the worst news I have read all year. And don't fact check me on that. I'm sure there has been bad news in the world of baseball to come out since then. The worst, the single worst tweet. How about that? The worst tweet I've read all year. Jeff Passan, September 1st, 3.46 p.m. Tweets, 
the pitch clock rules used throughout the Major League Baseball season will remain the same during the 2023 postseason. Sources with the blah, 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 blah. The rules. 15 seconds with no runners on. 20 seconds with runners on. Period. I guess he emphasized the end of this. Players had expressed hope for more time. Obviously, they did. He goes on to say in another tweet, which I didn't read as with as much anger as I did the first. On Friday, MOB's owner-led executive council told the competition committee the league would not propose any changes. Uh, the upshot, the same rules currently in play, uh, will be in play, which I think absolutely stinks. This is This is one of the worst decisions baseball could have made. Seriously. And it's not as if there wasn't precedent for taking things that had been in, a, in play during the season and changing them for the postseason. Think back to 2020. They first started with the rule, the runner on second base and extra innings. They wanted to speed up games. They were getting the 60-game season down super quick in a condensed time frame. They didn't want to kill all the pitchers. So they said, okay, we'll put a guy on second base to begin extra innings. And regular season, fine. They took it away for the playoffs. Because they realized that it would be drastically altering what is supposed to be, in my opinion, the greatest postseason in sports. They did that in 2020. And now that's still in account today. There's precedent to have a regular season rule and a rule that changes in the playoffs. Yet, I know everything has worked so well with the pitch clock and attendance is way up across baseball. Viewership is up. The impact of what they did with the pitch clock has been positive. Now, there are still parts of it I don't like, namely the limited pickoffs and limiting and that strategy by the pitcher. But think back to last postseason. So they're going to keep the pitch clock in the playoffs. Think back, and I know many people have gotten into this season now that, that this has been an account, but think back to last postseason and all the moments the Phillies had. Namely, obviously, the Harper entire at-bat to send them to the World Series. The... It felt like an eternity before that guy threw the pitch home. And in baseball, that's beautiful. In the NFL, some of the the best drama you could possibly find is the 10 to 15 seconds before a big fourth and one, before a big third and one, when you know the game is on the line in this snap. Now, obviously, uh, or the pick clock is 40 seconds, but when they're lined up and you're waiting for the ball to be snapped. In baseball, the best suspense by far, is, you know, star at the plate, star on the mound, one-run game, could he go deep, could he do something incredible? The beauty, though, is the suspense is not is not created when the pitcher's winding up or when the ball's in play. The suspense is created in the dead time between the pitches and between the action because you're thinking about what can happen, you're acknowledging the moment, and you're soaking it in. With Bryce Harper and, again, that at-bat that felt like took forever. It was like a six or seven pitch at bat. All that's gone. All that's gone. It's just ball, pitch, go. And that's it. One of my favorite baseball games of all time is, or baseball series, there are documentaries on this, and the great moment from it, the 2004 ALCS. The Yankees are up 3-0 on the Red Sox. They are in Boston. They have a one-run lead in the ninth inning. Mariano Rivera is on the mound. They're about to sweep out the Sox. It ends what was a very promising run with, you know, Poppy and Manny Ramirez and Schilling and Pedro. Kevin Millar walks. They bring in Dave Roberts. 
And everybody, as Millar said, everybody in the world knew he was going to steal second. Get the guy in scoring position and try to get him home. I think Mariano Rivera tried picking off seven times. And each time it got a little closer. But as those pickoffs kept mounting and mounting, the suspense for the moment was continuing to be built. And then Mark Bellhorn singles, Robert scores, the Red Sox win. The rest of it is great. But all that's gone. All of those moments. And whether it's picking off in order to try to control the game, get the crowd out of it for a second, here in Philadelphia, it's the crowd going crazy before a pitch, trying to get into the pitcher's head. Now that this just is just going and going and going, I think as I think as baseball fans, we're going to acknowledge a lack of suspense, and we're going to see the moments shrink a little bit. It's not going to be as dramatic, and and the play on the field could be just as dramatic, if not more. Now it's hard to beat what the Phillies did last year, but just given the framing of all of it, television like Fox does a great job but they need time to actually tell the story. They need time for the replays. They need time for Schmoltz to talk about what pitch is coming next or whatever. If you listen to the Phillies on radio, uh, Fransky will do his call, and the next pitch is already on his way. Right? So so there, there's something that I think we're going to acknowledge is, is obviously different but lost this postseason when this world continues. I think this is terrible news. Just uh, absolutely terrible news. And if I'm proven wrong and if if it all works, fine. I don't really see the outcome where that happens. Because I know exactly what the pitch clock does. I know the benefits. I know the drawbacks. In the playoffs, not to mention, I'm fine if my playoff game takes four hours. That's just four more hours of me watching really entertaining baseball. And four more hours of maybe needing heart pills afterwards. I just, I, I'm unhappy about this. If people are content, if people are happy, feel free. Tweet at me, at Ben C. Kenny. DM me. I I don't care. I could be convinced. I'm not thrilled about it. I recently saw a video, again, of Bryce Harper's first at bat in the World Series against Lance McCullers. He comes up. They had just got, the Phillies had just gotten a guy on, and Fox does a great job. They pipe in Harper's walk-up song. You hear it. They have the little walking camera that follows him. And they go around the stadium. All the fans are chanting MVP. The moment is really built up to the showdown of McCullers and Harper. It's game three. I think it's 0-0. The first pitch, McCullers hangs a curveball. Harper takes it deep. And it was incredible. It's incredible because of the play. It's also incredible because of the moment that's allowed to be created when you give time in between these pitches in the playoffs. When you allow a pitcher to get in his head and make a mistake, or Harper to to do what he does. So that's not great news, but we'll see. The Phillies will be in the playoffs, at least. If the Phillies weren't, admittedly, I would care a lot less about this. But I just know what it's like to to watch it and to feel a playoff run. And I need the time. So I, I'm a broken record at this point. You know how I feel on the matter. I hope I'm wrong. All right, let's do this real quick. I have a story of the week that is, I mean, it's comical. This show has become, it's a Philly show. We talk a little bit about Major League Baseball. Not as much of, oh, this guy's having a great year, but more general topics and general observations. It's become a show where we just rip the Angels every week, which I'm down. Like, they're they're pathetic. 
as I've outlined. They're still losing. Shohei Otani is now hurt, yet his agent is saying he's going to be a two-way player in the future. Not it's, That future is not going to be with the Angels. I'll tell you that. But if you saw this, the Angels, they had their photo day, and Shohei wasn't there, and they brought in a body double to pose as him. Instead of, I'm a diehard college football fan, and I will give college football social media departments one thing. They do not try to be very sneaky when they Photoshop in players to a team picture. It happened with Wisconsin this year. A defensive lineman's in the front row and doesn't even look like he belongs. At least make it clear you're Photoshopping. That's fine. I'm fine with the Photoshop. But oh my gosh, the Angels bring in this body double to to be like Shohei so they can easily Photoshop him in. The dude's like a, he's like a 6'3 white dude. Looks nothing like Shohei Otani. And then you see him standing next to Anthony Rendon, who is still on the Angels, believe it or not. He hasn't played, like, ever. He's near Trout. Whoever's still there, whoever hasn't been put on waivers, they're all standing there with this body double of Shohei that looks nothing like him. So another clap it up for the Angels, everybody. They have they still, they're in a battle with the White Sox right now to be the most dysfunctional, pathetic team in baseball, organizationally as well. And, and the A's, you can throw them in there. They're, they're trying really hard to win this. And this has nothing to do with on the field. It's just ridiculous. It's stupid. Yet, that's uh, Angels baseball. Angels management, everybody. So that's that. Um, let's look at the NL wildcard race a bit as well. I saw ESPN earlier in the week. This is on September 1st. So, what is that? Last Friday? I don't know. The, the days are, they all mushed together. They ranked the top playoff races in baseball. Now, things have changed in them. Number one by far is the AO West. Houston is now number one. They just, I believe, swept out the Rangers. Houston is in first place, I think, for the first time all season. Seattle, after their crazy push, they're one game behind Houston. Texas, three behind the Astros. If the Rangers, given everything they bought, missed the playoffs, that um, I don't have a good word to describe that. That would not be good if that happens. That was that's what they had number one, and I agree. That's that's easy. The NL wild cards too, and that's obviously where we focus. That's where the Phillies are. The Phillies are currently five up on the last wild card spot. They're number one. Number two is the Cubs, who have won four straight. They're three and a half up on the last one, a, a game and a half behind the Phillies. The Marlins are three and a half behind the Cubs. They're in the third wild card spot. They're coming to Philly, and we're going to preview that series next. Because the Phillies got some positive news about players they won't be facing coming up this weekend. But behind Miami's Arizona and Cincinnati, a half game back. San Francisco's two and a half. San Francisco has lost six games in a row. They are now 70 and 70. They have dropped from the number one wild card spot to two and a half games out of it. They are creeping down towards almost dead conversation. They have... They're playing horrid baseball at the moment. They just got swept by the Cubs. I said it earlier in the show, but where have we seen a Gabe Kapler September collapse with the playoffs on the line? Where have we seen that before? Because it's happening again right there with the Giants. You hate to see it, truly. I'd be fine playing them in the playoffs because I don't think they're very good. Yet, it looks like it's a lock. It's going to be the Cubs that come into Philly for the postseason. Awesome to see. The Giants collapse. 
So Miami, I, surprisingly, is up there. And even despite injuries and despite what they've gone through, them, Arizona, or Cincinnati, they're going to be the final wild card spot. I said earlier that I was selling Miami, and they've turned it around. They're playing well. I still think it's Arizona. I still think Arizona, they just called up their top prospect, this kid Jordan Lawler, a shortstop. I think Arizona gets it done. But a super tight race. The Phillies are not in question of making the playoffs yet. Those Cubs, man, a game and a half back. I have a lot of Chicago friends, and nothing would be more unbearable than to have to talk to them again under the circumstance of playing them in the playoffs, that is. I I love these I, I love them to death. They are I they are unbearable when it comes to sports. Now part of that is Phillies had the best of them as of late. I can't I can't handle a Cubs series. I would I love nothing more. Give me Arizona, give me Cincinnati, give me Miami. Somehow go on a run. I don't know if I can handle a Cubs series here in Philadelphia. All right, it's on the clock, Ben Kenny. We close it out next. We will look ahead to the weekend coming up after this. All right, we're back on the clock. A couple more minutes until we send you on your weekend. Phillies 24-7 Sports Radio WIP. Appreciate everybody hanging out. So, Phils against Miami. Good news for the team. Came in the last couple days as both Sandy Alcantara and Jorge Soler, if I'm not mistaken, were both placed on the injured list. Yes, Soler just was. And Alcantara, I believe, yes, he was as well. So, they're on the injured list which means the Phillies are not going to face him. Remember, so Lairs killed him. He goes deep off everybody the Phillies have. And while the Phillies have had Alcantara's number, still one of the best pitchers in baseball. So they're missing him. Friday, you have Chris Sanchez going up against this young kid, Yuri Perez, who was nasty. They sent him down for a bit. He's back. That's, that's going to be probably the toughest game of the series with Chris Sanchez on the mound. A win Friday makes you feel good. Saturday is going to be hilarious, objectively. The Phillies recently have killed Zach Greinke. They've killed Rich Hill. Next in line, I think, is going to be Johnny Cueto. He pitches for the Marlins on Saturday against one Aaron Nola. If there's, I know, I'm out on Nola. Everyone's out on Nola. He could turn it around, though. There's still that little optimistic part of me that thinks it's possible. Nola versus Cueto, the Phillies should have the prohibitive advantage. Knowing the team, however, they're probably going to lose that game. And then Sunday you have Ranger against uh, to be announced, to be determined for the Marlins. So no Wheeler this series, yet a Sanchez-Nola Ranger series at home against the Marlins have won six in a row, but without those two, Alcantara and Soler, this has to be a two out of three. It, it should be. I would predict the Phillies doing that. They're getting back home, obviously. I think they're getting Turner back for Friday. Don't know that yet for sure. This should be a two out of three. Then you turn around. Four at home against Atlanta. Doubleheader on Monday. It's That's a big seven-game stretch. Because Atlanta's really good. You need to split with them. And then Miami is in wildcard consideration. But meanwhile, let's uh, check the Cubs schedule. They are... Oh, they have a big-time home series against the Diamondbacks who are coming in. And then they're on the road in Colorado. So uh, the Cubs have a have a relative cakewalk coming down the stretch here. They go Diamondbacks, Colorado, in Arizona. Uh, then they go to Arizona, that is, the second Diamondback series. 
Then they host the Pirates. They host the Rockies. The final six games, though, are three in Atlanta and three in Milwaukee. So that's when it gets kind of tough. Yet there is some cakewalk going up before that. It's time for the Phils to get hot again. It's time for them to beat down on the Marlins and turn around and hopefully split with the Braves and create some room with the Chicago Cubs. All right. It's been on the clock. Ben Kenny at Benji Kenny on Twitter. Follow me there. We'll post the show. We will continue the conversation. Appreciate everybody listening. However you did. I'll talk to you next week. See ya. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 